You're listening to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear their identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Well, somehow we're already halfway through April. Listeners, Jay Teresi, welcome back to the podcast this week. It's good to be back. And the fact that we're already through April of 2023 is a good segue into our topic that <laughs> life moves a lot faster than we realize sometimes. That sounds like a Ferris Bueller quote right there. Life moves pretty <laughs> fast. Ferris uh, so, Bueller. So Jay, uh, we need to update. I need to bring it straight out onto the table. Um, talk me through your week because the listeners are going to be fascinated with this um, little highlight reel. Let's see. It was an exciting week. So last week I got to go to Orlando and Universal Studios, but an awesome family vacation. Easter Sunday, we hosted a tremendous amount of people at our house. It was wonderful. And then that night I found myself in the hospital with uh, some heart challenges that I had as a younger man, but haven't had to deal with for a long time. And it it kind of brought all that back. I spent a couple of days in the hospital, you know, praise God for modern medicine and the things they can do. Uh, but that's given me a lot to think about this week as I've had to recalibrate and reorient mentally on what's important in my life, um, revisiting some things I thought I would never have to go back to and how do you deal with that emotionally and what impact yeah. does it actually have on your life? You know, when this happened to me before I was a young man, my kids don't remember, you know, my kids are now young adults and teenagers and they're like, what, what's happening, dad? And, you know, my wife getting thrust back into you know, this was a pretty hard season of our life back then when we dealt with this before. And watching myself deal with it now differently uh, decades later, you know, I'm a different man. And and so there's some things I liked about how I dealt with it. There's some things I don't like about how I'm dealing with it. And I think it sets up a, a really good one-off topic we're having here today. Jay, and when you say heart, hospital, you're not talking about the spiritual heart problems. That we go, you were talking like a physical heart. Did your heart stop? do you think, on Easter Sunday? And did you come back after it stopping on Easter Sunday? <laughs> no, my heart didn't stop, but they did stop it a couple of days later to restart it. Yeah, I had an electrical issue where my heart was beating out of rhythm mm. really fast. It's kind of scary. It's fairly, I, I guess, as far as heart things go, it's, you know, a lot of our listeners will be familiar. It's a fairly common thing, but not, but it's scary and it, it's mentally debilitating because you don't really know mm. why it happened and when it's going to happen again. Modern medicine can do some amazing things to treat it. So, but, but it, well, it's real. And now you're back, back in the house, back on the podcast, the heart back, the, the heartbeat is back. Yeah. But you know, now what you have is what I like to call the aftermath, right? And, yeah. and, and we've been dealing with aftermath for years now from COVID, you know, with a, the, the trauma. So this creates trauma in my life uh, for my body, for my mind. And, you know, uh, John Eldridge, who we talk about a lot on this podcast, has spent the last three years doing an incredible amount of work around how do we handle trauma? How do we restore ourselves? What's the point? You know, all, everybody on this podcast has experienced a massive global trauma that drained and depleted our energy reserves and mess, messed with us mentally through COVID and changed a lot, right? The world's different now. And we, we haven't even really actually paid the bill for that. So, you know, for me now, now what I'm left with is aftermath. and and in aftermath, regardless of the trauma, you have choices to make, right? You have to choose how you're going to deal with it. You have to choose how you're going to move forward. You have to choose what you're going to prioritize. 
and and for a non-believer, this can be tremendously challenging, and it can for a believer. But as a believer, we have some things we can fall back on that are supposed to help us through a period like this. So today, the, the title of our podcast, Jay, we're talking about living in light of our death based around this circumstance. So um, before we, we go any further down into this topic, I would like to pray real quick. And listeners, I just today as we lift up, I, I just want to lift up praise for Jay um, and, and the events of this week and praise that he has been surrounded and that his family has been surrounded with angels to, to lift us through the emotional fear that we may have faced, Lord, knowing that we are in control. And, and so as we speak into this topic today, Lord, I just ask that the Holy Spirit come into this podcast. We give this podcast to you, and we also give the hearts of our listeners to you as well, uh, so that they may be open to maybe learn something about this idea of living light in our death. We love you very, very much. Amen. So Jay, here's a curveball. When I type that into Google, living light in our death, um, it was it was curious to me because there's a couple of other things that popped up first before I looked at the the Christian view of this type of phrase, and let me let me play a game with you right now. Let me throw some principles at you, and you tell me where you think this is from. So when you when you hear the idea of living in the light of our death, it then starts to talk about the new way of life. It says the higher power within us. It says becoming a creative channel. Um, and freeing yourself consciously, uh, expanding your consciousness, spirit and form, uh, the presence, the body personality. Uh, the, this is the, uh, the the male and female within. What's that sounding like to you right there, Jay? Uh, well, there's some Eastern mysticism in that for sure. That's exactly where it is. <laughs> and And the other thing it sounds like is also there's some biblical truth in that. And what's mm. really interesting is you know, we get into all these theological wars and this and that and the other thing, but humanity has a body of wisdom. And Jesus Christ draws on a body of wisdom that is truth. But you go into every culture, this is a little bit of a segue, but people argue about global flood and, oh, the ark and all this kind of stuff. Did it happen? Didn't it happen? But here's an interesting fact. If you go all around the world, almost every major people group has a flood narrative in their collective memory. What does that tell you? some point in humanity, there was a major flood. What, why am I talking about that? If you listen to what Chica just read, you can go a lot of directions with that. But the truth is, we have some collective wisdom. We know innately we're not supposed to live freaked out and worried and all these other things. Like Our soul knows that. Why does our soul know that? Because we're designed a certain way. And so our, our, our hearts, our spiritual hearts are always trying to get back to our design. Now, what skews it? Well, we believe as Christians, we live in a fallen and broken world. And so we begin to seek the wrong things to answer the question that Chico was just talking about. Well, it's a bit of a paradox, um, Jay, because when I think of our flesh, which is what I, I believe you're speaking to there, it's a very powerful enemy. When it comes to everything, and I mean, we we read that in scripture. We, you and I, know that day to day, just walking around the world as a man as well. Um, so when I hear uh, living in the light, in oh sorry, living in the living in the light of death, what I think about is this idea of you know, flesh and flesh, flesh and living, and how do we die to our flesh and how do we live? What, what's your concept around the, this title of this podcast? Well, when we live in light of our death. 
yeah, the first logical assumption is I have to recognize I'm going to die. We talk about that here on this podcast sometimes. We have to remind ourselves, you're going to die here on this planet. That's going to happen. And you don't have any idea when. If you're a believer, you've made peace with the fact that God knows. He's already planned it. How should that change how you live? And you're talking about the flesh. The flesh is powerful because the appetites of the flesh will never be satisfied. If you're more than 25 years old and you've thought about this for a second, you realize my flesh is always hungry. It wants more and more and more. Our enemy uses that to drive us away from the heart of God. And the world offers us things that tips us over our appetites and then criticizes us, of course, when we go too far. So you're exactly right. We have this competing force saying, don't think about your death. Don't acknowledge it. Don't worry about it. Let's live for today and eat and drink and be merry and 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 and." Don't worry about it. Let's worry about this and this and this. And all of those things won't matter. And you're going and, and to get to hit. You were talking about it, Chico. Time is going so fast. And the Bible talks about this. We're going to be at death's doorstep so soon, so much sooner than we realize. We're going to stand there. And if we don't address this question as biblical men, we're going to look back and go, I spent most of my time on all the wrong things. Dying to the flesh, Jay. And so therefore similar to your experience this week. And I'm, I know that all the listeners have also probably experienced uh, some sort of scare towards the door of death. If we're dying to our flesh, we all know what that means, right? We all know that that, that means that we've got to cut off sometimes some appetites that we have towards certain parts of this world. Is that a works thing, Jay? Is, it, is that faithful? Because if I'm just dying to my flesh, if I'm cutting off the appetites, aren't I just trying to go for good works? I think it's a good question. And I don't have a full and robust answer, but to honor this podcast, which is just two guys talking, the older I get, the more I think it's just about choosing Jesus mm. in each moment. So, mm. you know, the, I spent a lot of time and I, I've, I've not even begun to understand how to master this, but... The Bible talks about pray without ceasing. There's great saints, you know, the game of minutes, Brother Lawrence, who have figured out how I live and breathe and move every moment of every day in Jesus. And that sounds so spiritual, but I actually, for me, that's what dying to flesh means is saying, I'm getting in this meeting, how I want to go, Jesus, how do you want me to operate in this meeting? I've died to my flesh. I've given up control and Jay's perspective and allowed the Holy Spirit to have his way, which means something magical could happen mm. in that meeting. Hey, I'm gonna, I want to go eat this, or I want to go do that, or I want to go look at this. Jesus, what do you want? Holy Spirit, what should I do? For me, that's the path I'm walking, Chica. And that's the path I've had to walk this week. What I observed in myself that was totally different with this medical thing was in the past when it would happen, I would freak out. I'd be freaked out, freaked out, freaked out. I was so calm the whole time. I was you were. In a, you were. I, <laughs> and I was watching myself be calm, and I was in a great mood at the hospital. And, because I knew it probably won't kill me. These guys are pretty good at what they're doing. And if it does, I don't really have any control over that anyway. So what do I have control of? I only have control of how I choose to respond to it. And I think for me, dying to flesh is how do you choose to respond to whatever is particularly happening in your moment and whatever your flesh or the world or the enemy is tempting you with. And mm. you look back at Jesus in the desert and that's what he did. He got tempted by this and that and the other thing. And he just, he died to his flesh by going to his father. 
and quoting scripture and saying, nope, this is this is what I can have in place of that. That's certainly what I'm attempting to do. And look, I still have to go through the aftermath of this. I mean, I still have to process this. And the one thing I've learned, and anybody on this podcast listening that's been through trauma, man or woman knows this, the world keeps going on. So I've come out of this and people were wonderful. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. But the world's back to work. Yeah, I'm back to work. I'm blowing in my day. And yet I've still got this thing that happened and I'm trying to process it. But yeah, the last couple of days, I'm back on the podcast. I'm back on the Zoom calls, working, back in meetings, living my life. Kids are doing their thing. And yet in the back of my mind, there's this thing that I have to like process and mm. it's there stalking me. How do I deal with that? From a biblical perspective, that to me is what living in light of death is. How will my behavior change my response to this? What I choose to worry about, spend my time on, think about? That's certainly what's top of mind for me this week. So you've been, when you say you come back to the podcast, you come back to Zoom calls, <clears throat> is that you living life in death? No, it is you processing what just happened and then making the changes appropriately. Jay, when we, we you were just speaking about the flesh <clears throat> and then you spoke about the enemy, I think about the disciples when they were asked to keep watch so that Jesus could go pray and then they fell asleep, their flesh wanted sleep. And so they dozed off at that, at that point. When I think of me, even last night, we had this discussion as, as my family, our girls should be going to sleep at an appropriate time. And they're there on their phones, which is not one of the rules of our house, but they were meant to be sleeping, but the flesh wanted them to be awake doing something, whether it's browsing or watching something fascinating, whatever it was. Right. And then my wife and I were even talking about times that we should be following Deuteronomy and we should be teaching our children um, the steps and the way, right? This is the way. Uh, but we would rather sometimes just retreat and let's just go spend time staring at, at a TV show um, or a movie or a brand new whatever uh, instead of you know teaching our kids. And then the final thought that came to me as you were speaking there was this idea of, and I know that you've dealt with this too, Jay where you, you want to be in the word, you're meditating on scripture, and then your fleshly brain goes over here into this drawer or compartment and opens up that drawer when you're in the, the book of um, Ecclesiastes and you start thinking about X, Y, Z that's happening in that drawer or coming up later today. So walk me through your reactions to that, Jay, when it comes to this idea of flesh and where does the enemy play a role in those kind of examples? I. I think as I continue to walk out my Christian life, I think the enemy, his primary responsibility is distraction. And, you know, you started off reading some some things that really drive this idea of let's detach, let's detach from the world, let's detach from our bodies, all these kind of things. That's really not the scriptural way. If you go into the book of Ecclesiastes, which is really the big, you know, the Bible, the book of Job, all other places talks about the concept of living in light of our death all over the place. But the book of Ecclesiastes really directly addresses it. And it doesn't say in there, meditate and detach and depart. The Christian life is a gritty life. It's in the moment life. It's in real life with people and their messiness. And I think we get distracted. The enemy takes us off here and there and everywhere. I had this incredible conversation with my life last night. You know, I'm processing some things. And I said, honey, do you have any regrets? My wife's incredible. And, and she looks at me and she goes, no. She goes, well, I have one. You know, I used to own a Jeep and I didn't four-wheel drive it. And I was- what? I'm like, that's that's the major regret of your life? Because I'm thinking through all these things and all these decisions I want to do different. And she goes, well, 
you know, it sure seems a waste of time to think about the past. You know, I, I make decisions and I try to deal with the regret before I make them and then move forward. And it sure seems like a waste of time to think about the future because I just have this moment right now. So that's where I try to live. And then, you know, she walked off and, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, that is the gospel life in a nutshell. Living in light of our death means where am I right now? Jesus, we've talked about this before, but he was the most present human being that ever walked the face of the earth. If you want to see a really good example of this, go watch The Chosen. Go watch how they portrayed Jesus, especially in season three when he's doing his miracles. And he is so present with people. And I think, Chica, that's it. When we live in light of our death and we're talking to Jesus, moment by moment, we choose what is the highest and best use of my mental time, my physical time, my resources that God wants me to do right now. And if you're a Christian man, we know, first answer to that, if you have a wife or children, your family is your highest and most important ministry. Do go to your job. But if your job dominates your thoughts, as my job often dominates my thoughts, we know I'm not living in light of my death because that's not something I'm going to care about when I'm on my deathbed, right? Uh, I, I, yes, I, I agree with you, Jay. And I'm, I'm looking at Ecclesiastes right now because you brought that up. And I'm looking at chapter 9, 5, and it says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten, because that's what you just shared. Well, you know, I think as we're coming to an end here, Chica, because this is not really a conversation that has a culmination or an activity for you. I mean, it's we're just talking about really real life. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes and at the end of the book of Job, right? The book of the Job is a big question about why do bad things happen to good people and why do all these things happen? And God doesn't really give Job an answer. But at the end of the book, the conclusion is love God, worship God, follow God, live in light of how God wants us to live. It's kind of the same answer at the end of Ecclesiastes, where he's like, this all seems sort of pointless. I work, I leave an inheritance, they waste it. No one's going to remember me in 20 years. And it's sort of the same thing. Love God, worship God, right? Enjoy the life he gave you, love other people. Get into the Gospels. What is the point? Love God, love other people, live in the present moment. Know that God's going to restore all things someday and you're living in a place that's broken. Don't get too freaked out about that. God's going to fix it. The difference between the Old Testament and the New is Jesus came. And now we can actually live in light of the kingdom that's coming, mm. meaning we have the ability to access God right now. He lives in our heart now. That is what Christ did. Christ actually opened the door and said, you can put part of your physical body here on earth in the kingdom that's to come, and you can live that way right now. That's what the prophets foresaw. That's the taste we get. And eventually he's going to come back and restore all things. So what do I do mentally? Okay, someday my heart will be perfect because God's going to restore. And until that day, I just need to be grateful for the time he's given me now to continue my ministry with my wife and my children. That's one of the ways I'm thinking about it. Man, amen. For me, after you shared that, Jay, I'm just thinking maybe present is all I need to try this weekend. Put it down, be present with the person I'm with, whether it's my tennis partner, whether it's my wife, whether it's my kids, whether it's a stranger in the store. Um, oh, I got a story for you on that one too, maybe next week. But uh <laughs> Uh, let, let's just be present. And so let me pray, Jay. This has been another great discussion. I'm just praising the Lord that you are okay this week. And listeners, we are praying for you um, as well as we move into this next week, 
where we'll pick up the conversation on the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. But before I pray, listeners, Jay and I would love if you could head to, as you close this down, head and go and rate this podcast. Um, And if you still are unsure on what you're going to rate it, go back a couple of episodes and listen to a couple more and then make your decision. But we would love some love on the podcast. So Heavenly Father, as we walk out of this conversation today, we know that nothing good dwells in us but you, Lord, and nothing good dwells in our flesh. And that's why we're dying to our flesh today, Lord, to be present with you and receive your Holy Spirit, Lord. So as we walk into this week, um, Lord, we ask that you give us a regeneration of your Holy Spirit and, and focus on your Holy Spirit so that we're not trying to do things on our own and we can use your Holy Spirit to put down the flesh and live life in you. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for this podcast. Thank you for the praises you brought us this week. And we are grateful for the blessings you're going to provide next week. Amen.